Lord Jesus, out of your love, you came to us. You died for us. You were raised again for us. Lord, you did that out of love for us. We pray that you would open your word to us this morning and teach us how to rest in your love, in your provision, in your care, so that we aren't anxious for anything. Teach us this morning and we'll be grateful. In your name, amen. I want to say hello to you in the narthex. Great to have you. There's a lot of you out there today. It's like a whole church back there. You are, you are part of us. We are part of you. It's, it's great to have you. Early in my ministry, I took a group of college students backpacking through the Sierras. And we were all supposed to meet at the trailhead. I had about 25 of them. But when we got there, one carload hadn't shown up yet, so we waited and ended up waiting for over an hour. And throughout that time, I just got more and more worried about what could have happened to this carload of students. So my wife, who knows me very well, came up to me and basically started to mock me. She starts wringing her hands and saying, oh, they're lost and we're never going to find them and their parents are going to sue us and or they'll leave the ministry and they'll be mad and the ministry will fall apart and you'll be fired. She goes, that's what you're thinking, isn't it? I said, yeah, but it's not nice to point it out. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's just cool as a cucumber because she is incapable of the emotion of worry. Whereas for me, as I've told you, it's my spiritual gift. which is actually kind of embarrassing if you're the guy because you're supposed to be in control, right? I worry about everything. I am to worry what Tiger Woods is to golf. No one can catch me. (laughs) And I guess that some of you worry too. In fact, it's interesting when Bruce read the last verse, let today's troubles be sufficient for today, there was this murmur that went through the crowd. (laughs) What's that about? Most of us at one point or another worry about something. Our health, our jobs, our finances, our reputations, our kids. Kids. I mean, there's a whole new level of worry, right? That's like (laughs) meta-worry. Terrorism, getting on airplanes, the economy, flu shots. And Christmas. It just makes it worse, right? Because now you add to all of that questions like, will I get everything done? Is my family going to get along? Are we going to kill each other this year? Or, you know, is Christmas going to be okay? And in the middle of this, here comes Jesus, all this worry, here comes Jesus, and says, don't worry, be happy. Huh? Yeah, easy for him to say, right? He doesn't have to fight Bellevue Square at Christmas. (laughs) I think Jesus' point is simple. Worry is silly. Because all the worrying in the world will not add one minute to our lives, one dollar to our bank accounts, or one inch to our stature. The only thing worry will add is misery. When I was doing the college ministry, I used to worry every Wednesday because our college group met Wednesday night. And so all day I would worry about how it was going to go. What would the numbers be like? Would my talk go okay? Would the evening go well? It was stupid because either the evening went very well, in which case I made myself miserable all day for no good reason, or it was a disaster. But my worry didn't change the disaster. It just added eight hours of worrying to the misery. Should have gone to a movie. (laughs) Worry is the interest we pay on problems we may never have. So Jesus says, don't do it. 
And he gives us two ways out. Because if you're like me, don't worry. That's like saying, don't think of a big elephant when someone says big elephant, right? I mean, it's, what? Jesus gives us two ways out of the worry trap. And the first is this. He says, invest, learn to care about eternal things, and you'll never worry again. Invest in and learn to care about eternal things, and you'll never worry again. He says, don't store up treasures on earth where moths and thieves and rust destroy them. Store them up in heaven. Then you won't worry. And his point is this, that if we care about eternal things, those things can't be taken away. That's why they're called eternal. So there's a security, there's a confidence in caring about eternal things rather than earthly things. Because if what we care about are earthly things, careers, reputation, money, we'll worry. Because those things can be taken away. They will fail us. Money doesn't matter how much you have, you can lose it. Bad investments, uh, economic catastrophe, you can lose it. Reputation, it could be ruined by one careless act of gossip. Time will rust away all of our achievements, right? We live in a world where we are only as good as our last sale, our last pitch, our last sermon. Time rusts out all of our accomplishments. People forget. So if those are the things we care about, we're going to worry. Because deep down, we know that they can't last and that they will fail us. But if what we care about are eternal things, and by eternal, I don't mean just in heaven someday. You're living your eternal life right now. Do we care about eternal things here and now? Things like a close relationship with God. Whole relationships with other people. God's kingdom. God's kingdom, which includes things like helping people wrapped with guilt find the forgiveness of Jesus. Helping people who are estranged from God and each other be reconciled. Helping people in social or economic bondage get a hand up. If we care about those things, God, God's people, God's kingdom, we won't worry because those things will last. What you saw in the video... Kids who've been told that, that, they, that they're worthless by parents or schools getting a second chance and, and finding God along the way, that's going to last forever. If what we care about are eternal things, we will never worry. For at least two reasons, really. First is because God cares about those eternal things too. God cares very much about them. And in spite of obstacles and, and opposition and challenges, God is going to get those things done. His kingdom will come. His will will be done. I've read the last chapter of the book. I know how it ends. If you don't, let me spare you the suspense. God wins. <laughs> Which means if we are caring about the things He cares about, we can be secure that those things are going to happen. And those things will last forever. They start here but they last forever. Care about eternal things. Eastern religions say that the mother of all suffering is desire. We suffer because we want things. So their solution is just get rid of all your desires. Just get rid of them. Jesus agrees with the premise, but comes to a different conclusion. He doesn't say get rid of your desires. To to, to care about things is what makes us human. He says instead, change your desires. Learn to care about eternal things. Now, how do we do that? How do we switch our desires from earthly to eternal things? How do we learn to care about God's things? Jesus says it's simple. You invest in them. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The things we invest in are the things that we care about. 
I first learned this when my, my first child was born. The first couple of days after she was born, I hope you don't think I'm terrible, but I didn't, I wasn't possessed with this overwhelming sense of love that I thought you were supposed to have, right? I, I loved her. I, I, I thought she was cute and all, but she was awfully noisy and I was very sleepy and I didn't know her very well. So I called a mentor of mine and I said, help, I'm evil. I don't feel this overwhelming love for my child. And she said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Lots of people feel that way at first, especially dads. She said, just wait a couple of weeks. A few weeks of changing all those dirty diapers, getting up three times a night, listening to her cry. A few weeks of that, and you will love this kid more than you've ever loved anything in the world. I said, what? Why are you my mentor? You speak foolishness. But sure enough, with just in a few days, I loved Holly more than I've ever loved anything. Why? I invested in her. What we invest in is what we care about. So, invest your time, your money, your energy in eternal things. God, God's kingdom, God's people. And you'll care about those things more than anything you care about on earth. And you will never worry. Because those things cannot be taken from you. There was a very successful church I know of that over the years had dwindled down to just a handful of people. Meanwhile, a nearby Korean church was just busting at the seams and asked if they could use this formerly successful church's building on Sunday afternoons for their service. But the people in that smaller church didn't like the idea. It made them anxious. They they worried. What would happen to our building if we loan it out? They worried that they would lose their prestige if they became known as an immigrant church. They worried about offending the remaining members of the congregation. It created all kinds of worry. But over the years, it took years, but over the years they began to realize as a congregation that the downtown neighborhood around them had changed. And so they opened their doors to the downtown, their downtown neighbors. And now today, rich business people worship alongside of a homeless person, alongside of an immigrant, and there's this renaissance going on in the church, and there's joy. You see, when what they cared about, when what they invested in was earthly stuff, buildings, status, comfort, they worried. That's human economics. It leads to worry. But when they invested in eternal things, God, reconciliation, helping those in need, there was joy. Invest in eternal things so you will care about eternal things and you will never worry again. That's God's economics. And he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Care about the eternal. The second way out of the worry trap is to trust that we belong to a benevolent God who will provide for us our daily needs. Jesus says, look at the birds, look at the grass. God takes care of them. Aren't you more important than a bird? All around you is an economy of abundance. That's God's economics, generosity, abundant generosity. Don't you trust that God will take care of your daily needs? Now, obviously, we have to work some. I mean, the birds have to get twigs and seeds and stuff. But we do our part. God does the rest and provides for our daily needs. Needs. Now, notice I said needs, not wants. Most of what we worry about is not our needs, but our wants, right? Possessions, accomplishments, reputation. 
God provides for our needs. And notice I said daily needs. Again, look at the birds, right? They're not storing up for years in the future. God gives them what they need day by day, right? It's give us this day our daily bread, not our monthly cake, right? God provides for our daily needs, what we need when we need it. I spoke this week with a man named Greg Alexander, who is going to be our MLK speaker. And he runs a center that provides, among other things, free drug rehab for mostly homeless people. And I asked him, I said, how do you finance this thing? I mean, free of charge, how do you do this? And he said, don't know. God has always come through for us. He, he said there was this one time when all he had to feed his clients was this salad. And he said, somehow everyone got enough to eat. He didn't know how it worked. I've seen that one before somewhere, I think. (laughs) He said one winter they didn't have any clothes to give the homeless people that came through their doors. And then this one night, this man that he'd never met, just never met him, just pulls up with a van full of brand new Eddie Bauer coats and had just enough coats for all the people there. He said, I just know that we're doing what God wants us to do And he cares about the work we're doing, so he's going to provide. He said, sometimes it's at the 11th hour, and it's always just what he needs, but God always gives us what we need when we need it. That's Jesus' formula for a worry-free life. Invest in the eternal. Trust that God will provide for your daily needs. Now, that doesn't mean a trouble-free life, right? Look at Jesus and his disciples. They didn't have a trouble-free life. But Jesus' point is that even when we face hardships, even if we face death, we won't care because the things we are really invested in can never be taken away from us. God, God's people, God's kingdom. We will have a worry-free life, even if we don't have a trouble-free life. Coming here to be your senior pastor has helped me worry a lot less. Now, you would think it would be the opposite, wouldn't, wouldn't you? You would think that going from running a little college group to being senior pastor of such a big church would just increase my worry, but it's done the opposite. It's decreased it. And I've jokingly said to friends, it's because as senior pastor, there's so much to worry about, I can't focus. So I'm just confused. But that's not the real reason. The real reason is because I know that God is at work here. Look at the last 50 years of our church's history. And I know that where we're headed is into things that God really cares about. Changing lives on the east side and beyond. Helping people know him. Setting people free from spiritual, economic, social oppression. God cares about those things. So in spite of setbacks and and challenges and problems, and we'll have them, God is going to get his will done. So I'm not worried. Are you? I'm not worried. I have a friend who a couple of years ago at my old church in California, was invited to be an elder there. And he felt God calling him to do that. And he was excited about the opportunity to invest some of his time in eternal things. So he decided to become an elder. Well, right after he did that, his boss told him that he had to be transferred to a different city. So my friend prayed about it and still felt called to be an elder. So he went to his boss and said, I can't move. I'm committed to my church. So his boss fired him. And he was unemployed for six months, which was really tough, especially for his kids who had to say, yeah, my dad doesn't have a job, which in Silicon Valley is a very hard thing to say. But he kept praying about it and kept saying to his kids, don't worry, God knows what he's doing. I trust that God knows where he's taking us. Well, one day he was praying with some people from the church and 
And one of these people said to him, you know what, Bill? Today is the day you're going to get a job. And my friend said, that's impossible. I don't have any interviews. I don't have any, even any, any prospects. But sure enough, that day he was out to lunch with a friend, and the friend said, oh, by the way, my company, startup company, has a job opening for what you do. Why don't you stop by after lunch and talk to the CEO? So he did, got into the CEO's office and started talking to the CEO. And here's where the story gets really weird. Because as he was talking to the CEO, he got this sort of prompting, and he thought it was from God, to ask for 10% of the company. And he said, no, that's stupid interview technique. That's bad. No. Bad form. Don't do it. But the urge was just kind of there, and he thought it was from God, and so he just blurted it out. He said, you know, for what I can do for you, I think I should get 10% of the company. And the CEO said, okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> now, my point is not go out and do that in your next job interview. I don't think it'll work. My point is this. Here, my friend was investing in eternal things, working in the church to help meet people's physical needs, their spiritual needs, and along the way, God provided now, it wasn't trouble-free, right? He was unemployed, but it was worry-free. Care about the eternal. Trust that God will provide. In three days, we will celebrate the fact that God gave us everything he had. That he came in the person of Jesus, died for us, to reconcile us to him so that we could be with him forever. Now, having done that much, won't he do the rest the question is, do we believe, do we really believe that the God that we say is big enough to save our souls can also take care of our needs here and now? Don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, what your reputation is going to be, what your achievements are. God knows what you need, and he'll take care of those needs. You seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you as well. That's God's promise. That's God's gift. That's God's economics. Generosity beyond all you can ask or imagine. Merry Christmas. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift you give us in you. And Lord, thank you for the abundant provision you offer. If only we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Teach us to do that, Lord, and then teach us to be content with your provision for our daily needs. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.